Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, and welcome back to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I have with me Chris Prefontaine, and he's from the US. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks for having me, Matt. Excellent. So, Chris, you have a lot of background in management, and you have, you're nowadays doing a lot of real estate. For all the people that don't know you, do you want to give a bit of background on what you do and who you are and so on? Sure, and I'm happy to go back to any piece of that you let me know. I, I've, I have been in real estate most of my adult life. I grew up in a family company not related to real estate. Um, we ran several branch locations in the welding supply and industrial gas business. So that was all about more of the management side. And then in, in 91, so a good 18 plus years ago, started in real estate, uh, went through building a few hundred homes, then bought a uh, franchise, brokerage franchise as a realtor and built that up and sold it to Coldwell Banker in 2000. And then from 2000 till the debacle in 08 in the US, uh, the real estate crash, we were coaching people throughout US and Canada. We were doing our own investments. And then uh, with the crash in 08, caused us to majorly redirect and re-engineer our business. And so today what it looks like is we've got a family company with uh, other support players as well, team members. It's myself, my son-in-law, Zach, and my son, Nick. Uh, we buy and sell properties um, around two or three different states around where we live. And then we also coach and partner on deals around the country, uh, all of North America right now, actually, uh, with students. So that's that's what we're doing right now. We're in the field and we're, and we're helping others do the same. That sounds super exciting, Chris. So tell me a little bit generally about your sort of management philosophy. Like how do you think about managing other people and like what's what sort of your thinking around management in general? A few things. Uh, I think the base uh, before even getting into that level of thinking and, and kind of style is to make sure we do, we do this constantly and that is to make sure you're aligned with the mission and purpose and of course having values. So that was established as a, as a family company and then uh, it makes the management side a lot easier. Uh, everybody's on the same page because decisions are made both management and financial they're made based on the values, right? So there's no, everybody developed the values together. It's not a, a top down, here's what we're going to do. And so once everyone decides these are the values, it's easy to manage after that. It's easy to make decisions after that because everything has to align with the values in the, in the mission. And then uh, we recently went through as part of that process. Um, I, I'm sure a lot of the listeners have heard of the book multipliers. Um, I'm a big proponent of that multiplying people and helping grow people. So that's kind of our, uh, 10,000 foot level view, if you will, on management. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And definitely one of the books that, that definitely a lot of my clients have read is uh, also about setting mission, mission values and, and really getting down to the core values as well. Right. Which, uh, which is, I mean, it's core for the business, right? I mean, yeah, you can, you can build a, a certain amount of business without it, but it's just to get people aligned and really to get people properly bought in. It's really key to have a good setup. So that's excellent. Well, yeah. And, and you can look at, to your point, you just made me think of something else. If you look at uh, the solopreneur, and I don't mean to water down a business that's, let's say, growing to the million, the million dollar point, but frankly, 
most of us can get there with a little hustle, right? A little more follow-up, a little more phone call, a little more work online, like a little more of everything can get you to a million. It's moving from that seven to eight figure, in my opinion, that the core values, the mission, the purpose, and the management style, then it matters because what got you to a million is not is what it's going to hold you back moving to the next level if you don't incorporate all these other things we're talking about. Yeah, totally. And, and also, I mean, nowadays, making a million, you don't necessarily need a huge company, right? I mean, if you go back no. in the days, you, you, it, it took a lot more effort, but particularly in the online world, like there, there is a lot of options where you can make, uh, I mean, I, I know plenty of Amazon sellers, for example, selling, selling products on Amazon that are making pretty much just themselves and a freelancer too, and they're making over a million, right? So it's, it, it's definitely, the landscape is changing in that regard, for sure. Well, yeah, and it has an our world too. So, so very similar, but different, totally different industry. Take, you look at real estate now uh, compared to the 90s, you don't, have to, you don't have to get in the car as much. <laughs> it, everything's online for resources, just, just like your business. And then you start looking at, in our world anyway, there's a lot of different niches, right, in, in real estate. But you look at our world, you're talking 75 grand profit per deal. Man, it's not hard to get to a million. Do the math. Yeah. No, no, definitely. And uh, I've, uh, actually, so I, I own an outsourcing company as well, where we work with a lot of real estate guys. And uh, yeah, I mean, totally a, a lot of, like a lot of the deal flows and so on. Like you, you can, you can stack up to a million pretty quickly. So. Yeah. Excellent. What do you generally enjoy the most about working with people and managing people in general? You know, I, I love the, just the piece, once all those other things are in order that you and I just talked about, I love the piece of um, literally working with and multiplying people and then that allowing the business to scale to the next level. Um, because without that, you know, the, the entire business, I don't care how big or small you are, the entire business is limited by the growth of each individual leader, right? So I definitely enjoy working with the leaders, multiplying them and, and uh, that enabling the entire company to grow. Definitely. Sounds awesome. What's sort of the biggest management challenge you have faced and sort of how did you overcome it? Um, well, um, if you take me back two years, just, just a little over two years ago, my, um, my, my desire was, okay, man, oh man, I, I can get to this million or two, even million and a half, two million mark. I think we were, we were bumping our heads on two. And to, the biggest challenge was, okay, now, all the things that got me here, as I alluded to earlier, are, are going to hurt me moving forward. So what do I have to do here? And we seeked out, um, you said some of your clients read the, some books. We seeked out a, an organization called Elite Entrepreneurs and aligned ourselves with them. And I credit them with helping us get through that little speed bump of, okay, we have to shift gears here and understand how to scale this company, how to onboard people, how to develop all those values and everything you and I talked about, how to... Uh, properly multiply people, all these things that come with scaling. So that, that kind of bump in the road of, of 2 million to move to the next, to go from seven to eight figures was a major, major challenge because the total shift in mindset and how I spent my time and how, what I had to learn as a leader. Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah, and, and a lot of, like when you go through business growth, right, there, there is a lot of these sort of changes and, and uh, actually a very good book was called What Got You Here Won't Get You There. Um, yeah, I love it which is an amazing book and it, it's, it describes exactly what you said, right? Like sometimes you can get to 15, 20 people and a million or two and you know, it's it, it, like everything that brought you there is it, you have to significantly change to, to, to move forward. So yeah, there's another cool one you made me think of. Uh, was, I think I read it like well over a year ago. It's the hard things about the hard things. I don't know if you've read that one. That's a cool one. 
I don't know that one, but I will definitely uh, write that one down and add that to the show notes. Sounds interesting. Now, any particular way, one, one of the key things for me when I build teams is always about sort of finding leaders and sort of finding tomorrow's leaders. What, do you have any kind of particular way or process or that you sort of use to identify who's going to be the next person taking over this role? Like who, who's the leaders that will grow up? Okay, so two, I have two thoughts. They're no particular priority order. One is uh, because we started as a core family business and then added players, um, we actually did it. Uh, the next three players that came on, not, not counting outsourced companies, um, were referrals from the internal team in some shape, form, or fashion. Um, but moving to the next level now, I think it's super important to when anyone for any company in any industry is advertising to almost go into sales mode, meaning you've got to bring them through, in, in our case, and probably your case because you're online, uh, a bit of a splash page, if you will, or a website so that they can pre-qualify themselves in or out based on your company's mission and values. That's important. Uh, they've got to align with that. So it, it goes back to what we said earlier about making sure every decision aligns with that. Well, so don't the people. If they don't align with that, they could be phenomenal skill level, but if they don't align with the values, wrong fit. So just making sure that that kind of that funnel, if you will, not a sales funnel and onboarding the proper person funnel is set up to educate them and bring them on properly, uh, meaning the alignment and the fit. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally to that. I, I actually use that specific phrasing. I, the way I teach recruitment is very much uh, recruitment is sales. It's not fulfillment, right? 100%. And exactly the same way. Like we, we would use recruitment in the exact same way as sales. Like we would literally build a funnel, build an email list. Like anyone that ever applied for us, we actually add them to list with, with their permission and so on. And we, we actually build out because it, it, in large scale, it's a numbers game, right? Like the, the more people you get into your funnel, the more likely you are to get some really, really good ones. And it's, it's, always, it's always a percentage game to some degree, right? It absolutely is. And I never looked at it like that again until I was exposed to this group. And then I said, okay, well, that makes sense. We're doing the exact same thing we do in our, in our sales funnel, but we're onboarding the best person. And, and the, the challenge for most people is they look at like, oh, people should be lucky to work with us. So they're kind of like trying to use it as a gatekeeper more than anything. So they don't really sell themselves well. And the thing is, if you want the best people around, like you need to sell yourself, right? Because the best people often, often have plenty of choice and they're the ones you want. You don't want the ones that have no choice. Right? Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And, and if you leave it up to them to go out and whether they surf the web or whatever they're doing, you, they're not in your funnel. They're, they're going to make their own decisions and sometimes that might be good and sometimes that might be awful. So you might as well direct them through your process. Yep, definitely, definitely. So it, it sounds very interesting. I, I've never actually been in the family business. Uh, I've, I've worked with one that was kind of familyish, but definitely online, like I see a lot of the sort of common traces. Like a lot of time when people find someone good, they end up hiring the whole family kind of thing. Um, so it, it often becomes a little bit sort of clustered like that. And I'm always a bit wary when people do that because, you know, they're, it's kind of like if you, if you get in trouble with one person, you might lose the whole team kind of thing. Um, but obviously, a, a family business carry, carry some different challenges as well, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I mean, we did it a little differently. People all ask, well, did you like, you know, have a plan and then go to each person and say, here's what my idea is. That's almost like a forced, like, like you said, like they just kind of grab everybody and bring them in. 
Um, it didn't happen like that at all. Uh, after the crash, uh, I had to re-engineer the business and, and buy differently and do, do everything differently. And when I did that, uh, I started to grow. And then my son was kind of available in the same office doing some other things and started working part-time. And then that turned into full-time. And then my son-in-law and daughter were in the hospitality industry, bartending, uh, personal training, things like that. Very lucrative where we are. We live on an island but it's a tough lifestyle. So they started saying, well, I wonder if there's any room for me. And so they came and started organically falling into roles. So the roles have always, and this is, so this is now three and a half, four years in with them. Uh, the roles have always just developed organically. So it wasn't like we went out and designed this master plan. I wish I could tell you I did that, but, but we didn't. It, it grew and it's growing very strong because it, it grew organically, if that makes sense. That makes total sense, yeah. Okay, that's, that's really interesting. So one of the key things that a lot of my clients struggle with is delegation. So I'm, I'm eager to hear your sort of take on delegation and like how, how do you look at delegation and any particular tips or any particular tricks you've found super useful with regards to that? Uh, yeah, it's required. It's not like it's not an option. I think that it's important to get buy-in um, with the person you're working with, but that probably already happened if you onboarded them properly. But buy-in meaning... Are you good in this position? Are you, you know, is this accomplishing your goals at the same time? So I, I love the concept. I just think it should be done very tactfully and, and very mutual. Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And, and then of course, Mads, the, the follow-up side of that, there's a fine line between, and I've had to grow through this, but there's a fine line between micromanaging that, but setting up proper follow-up and metrics um, for that delegation. I think metrics being the key. Um, we have internally within the values and everything you and I already spoke about, we have what we call a big three. And so every trimester, everybody has their own big three and it allows you to, it's like the biggest three things are going to move the needle metric wise. And each one of those big three have to be, um, have metrics attached to them. So it allows you to kind of, I don't want to say back off, but not micromanage as much and let that person do what there's, what they agreed to do and let them do what their roles is set up to do. And that is to work on their big three until the next trimester. Now in between, as far as the delegation, what do we do? We meet weekly. How are you doing on your big three? You know, is this something I can help with something the team can help with? Cause they're not alone. This is something we agreed on mutually. So the delegation is kind of like a mutual effort. It, it definitely sounds very much like the traction framework. So it so. is very similar. Cause I've got a, an accountability partner that I speak with every Monday, he's in the traction system and uh, elite is, you know, they cross over. There's a lot of similarities. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. That's cool. Now, Chris, the, the way you manage, um, obviously you, you've met a bunch of different business owners and so on. Like what, what do you find different or unique with your management style compared to other people you've seen and anything like in particular you feel makes you stand out for the way you do things? You know, it's, I don't know if it's because we're from England, uh, New, uh, New England, sorry, but the fact is we, one of our values answers the question and it's, it's that we're clear, blunt, and to the point and there's no gray area. So we, are, we tend to be super aggressive, super hard charging and very blunt. And everyone on the team understands that. Everyone on the team knows that. They don't take it personally. But that is not just my style. That's the entire team style uh, management-wise because it gets rid of a lot of, um, well, there's no gray area, right? So it gets rid of any, any fluff or any uncertainty. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. And it's, it's key when, when you have any really clear values. And it, it's amazing when you see them shine through the whole 
company as such, right? That's well, yeah, and you you're challenged by them too often. So I'll, so I'll give you an example or two. We we had our offsite recently for the for the last trimester, and one of the things we were going to put in place was a mastermind, and it came up, and it's it's easy to, to get caught up in the dolls and say that's that's a cool thing. We'll just add that, but it came up in the in the meeting, and and my son-in-law caught it and said, well, wait a minute, it doesn't it doesn't support the mission. We're, we're getting off track here. The mission is to go out and help students around the country do 1500 transactions by 2022. Well, the mastermind is just a mastermind. That's just like a consulting that doesn't add to the mission. So we had to, we had to get rid of the idea. It was, a, it was an expensive oops because we had already rolled it out. So when it, when you have the mission and you have the values in place, uh, sometimes it can be difficult to stick with them. And that, that's a good example there. Excellent. Yeah. That's a, that sounds like a great display of it. One of the key things for me as well is the fact that we're, we're definitely not perfect, any of us. And I, I, I think that's really important and I emphasize that with everyone I work with. What's one of the things that you're working on changing or improving in your business right now that you feel is not going ideally? Uh, always me. Uh, you know, I always put it on me. So in my case, um, less micromanaging for sure. Um, and, and letting people flourish and, and be in their role. Um, that's as minute as, you know, you can be in a meeting and, and just dominate the meeting when in fact you should let others be, be doing that. I call it taking up space, right? So things like that, it's just all me because we can't grow as a company if I don't continue to grow. Uh, I, I can't tell you today how to run a $20 million company. I can tell you how to scale from what I've done now. And if I don't grow, the company can't grow. So that's what I'm constantly working on. And it also goes for every team member as well. Yep. That makes a ton of sense. And what do you consider the biggest sort of business risk right now to your business and how are you trying to mitigate it if you are? Um, yeah, something we definitely analyzed. Um, so it would be a changing of the market. Real estate always changes, right? I've been through three cycles. The, the fact is uh, when the market changes, there's opportunity there. However, the public often reacts, as you probably know, the opposite in a lot of industries. And so the example would be, in 2008, when th things went the wrong direction, a lot of people backed away from education, mentoring coaches, when in fact, in my opinion, they should have flocked to it. And so we're, we're to, to anticipate that pullback or flattening of the market, we're messaging that very clearly on YouTube uh, channels that we have on our podcast, um, uh, in our events to say, look, yes, it's coming. It could come. It could come as strong as 08 or it could be less, but it's coming. And when it does, here's why this is the best niche to be in. And so we're just pre kind of pre-messaging that, if you will. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And yeah, definitely a real estate is definitely volatile, to say the least, when you have the big crashes and stuff. So yeah, all the way you have the best opportunities, I guess. 100%. Okay. Any sort of management tips or tricks here towards the end that you want to share any particular you've already shared some resources but any any other sort of tips and resources that you would love to share with the audience i would just say you know regardless of the niche um there is a you and i mentioned a few organizations but there there are people in organizations in every niche that went through whatever you're going through right now and are have been wherever you want to be in your business i mean at every level so every year, my suggestion, my simple suggestion to everyone listening is every year, find that person or organization. So we, we do this every year. We just evaluate, okay, what are we looking to do next year? And who's, who do we have to align with? What support group, what person, what company do we have to align with to get us there? 
every single year you should do that because someone might say, well, what's the best book on such and such? Well, I don't, every year it changes for me because I'm in a different spot. And so no matter what your niche, find that and then attach yourself to it and, and follow it with blind faith. Yeah, that makes total sense. And Chris, just here towards the end, do you, do you want to give sort of a, a brief overview of exactly what you guys do and how you do it and, and so on, just in case any of the audience is super interested in that? Yeah, so we're doing what I call closing a major gap, in my opinion, in the, in the real estate space. Um, and that gap is that time frame from when someone goes through a course, either online or at an event. And that the gap being the time from then till the time they actually do a transaction and, and make a profit. Now, there's all kinds of things that get in the way in that gap. Um, one is lack of implementation. One is lack of support from whoever provided the, the education. One is the, the space between their ears. So there's a lot of things that go on that cause that gap, but we're closing the gap is majorly by literally locking arms with our students. So what happens is they'll go through a course and once they decide this is something I really want to do, they become, they, by application, they become an associate of ours. Um, so anywhere, literally anywhere in the world, they will be having us um, on the phone with them, with their buyers, with their sellers, like actually doing the deal. When I say locking arms, actually like a quasi partner, just we're not in their business. So I don't call it a partner. We call it an associate. This allows them to, sure, here's the course, A through Z, I know how to do this. But now all the nuances that come up from A to Z, they have us right on their back and they have us on the phone and they have us on Zoom. And they ha you know, so we're all over it with them conducting the deals. And as such, they're getting deals done. We've had, I'll give you a great example. We've had two now, two out of about 60 associates around the country that came to us and said, I spent a lot of money in education and that lo a lot for those two was six figures. And they hadn't conducted one single transaction yet. That's what I mean by the gap. Now, there's a hundreds and thousands of others that have spent 10,000 and done no deals. But those two were extreme. They're both well over a million in, in deals they've done with us. That's what I mean by closing the gap. Wow, that's awesome. And, and you're working with people worldwide. Yeah, it's just right now, um, so far, because of our exposure, the demand has been uh, North America, U.S. and Canada. Um, but we've sold courses uh, all over the country. So what happens ne uh, all over the world? So what happens next? Well, they'll start looking into the associate program now. So we'll start to do that slowly but surely. Okay, excellent, excellent. Yeah, I mean, I've had a keen interest in real estate myself for many years. I, I mostly do buy to rent. But uh, yeah, it's, it, I mean, real estate is interesting and it probably always will be from an investment standpoint. Forever changing. Yep. It's, it's uh, never boring. Definitely. Well, that's uh, excellent. If people want to get in contact with you, Chris, what's the, what's the best way to do that? Uh, they can just, there's two ways. They can go to smartrealestatecoach.com. And then of course, I mentioned earlier the show, smartrealestatecoachpodcast.com because that actually on purpose exposes them to all different niches, not just ours, because I'm not so naive to think we're the only one, right? There's all, all, all kinds of options and that, that'll do that for them. Sure. Excellent. And uh, you've also given me a link to a free book that you've written. Is that yeah, we have two Amazon best-selling books. One is called uh, Real Estate on Your Terms and one is called The New Rules of Real Estate, which I wrote with my son and son-in-law. And, and um, they can go to that free srecbook.com um, and just let us know they, they heard this on your show um, and we can do the electronic version so we don't have any issues with shipping around the world. If they're in the US, they can get a hard copy as well. Excellent. Well, I'll share this uh, in the show notes and uh, that's excellent. 
thank you very much for coming on the show, Chris. It was a pleasure to talk with you. No problem. Thanks for having me. Great job. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.